Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. How are we doing this morning? A little sleepy there, a little sleepy. How are we doing this morning? Come on, there we go. Yeah, all right, good, good. I do want to say happy Father's Day to all the dads out here. I mean, it is great that you could have done anything, but you chose to, to spend part of your Father's Day here in the Lord's house. We're just so thankful for that. And I think, man, I want to give you a hand for being here, guys, all you dads. Thank you for being here. Yes, yes. We're in a series called This Is Us, and we've been talking about why we do what we do. And the reason why we do what we do is because that's what Jesus did for us. When you look at the life of Jesus, one of the most baffling things is people that were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus, and he liked them back. I mean, people who had nothing in common with Jesus, people who didn't necessarily understand what Jesus was talking about, people who didn't necessarily believe in what Jesus was talking about, they loved hanging around Jesus. In fact, it was the the religious people, the people who were most comfortable in the temple that were most uncomfortable around Jesus. But those people that felt rejected by the temple... Those people that felt judged by the religious people, those were the ones that really felt good about being around Jesus. And see, what's true of Jesus personally should be true of us collectively, should be true of us as a church. That people that don't have anything in common with us, people who don't necessarily uh, agree with what we're talking about, don't necessarily understand with what we're talking about, should like us. And we should like them back. And that's really been the mission of the Met from the very beginning. When Bill and Cindy started this church over 20 years ago, it was about having a church that lost people would want to attend. It was about having a church where disconnected people felt at home and felt welcomed and wanted to be here. And when I look over the years, I'm thinking we've done a pretty good job of doing that. We've done a really good job of making that happen. One way we know is we get to see life change all the time. We get to see people going forward with their faith through baptism. It's it's a great thing that we get to see it every single month, and we know that we're doing the right thing. And another way we know we're doing the right thing is when religious churchy people don't like what we're doing and tell us we're doing it all wrong. And yes, we do see that from time to time. I can remember a while back, I was standing at the door saying goodbye to everybody after the 930 service, and I'm kind of saying hi and, and thanks for coming and waving at everybody. And I see this couple approaching me. I hadn't seen them before, and they got this real sour look on their face. So I'm going to be real big. I'm going to be smiling. I'm going to make them, make them have a smile. And so I go, hey, thanks for coming. And they walk right past me. Didn't say a word to me. Now, I've been dissed before. It's not a big deal. Okay, I can, I can handle it. So I go ahead and go about my business. We do the 11 o'clock, and so I'm back out at the door after the 11 o'clock, and I'm saying goodbye to everybody. And who walks in but that couple? They walk back into the church, and they stand on the side, and they go like this. And I'm thinking, <laughs> so I go over, and I say, I say, can I help you? And they say, yes, this was our first time here. We were at the 930, and we were so offended by your service. We were so offended by your service. We said, we are never coming back here again. And I'm thinking to myself, well, then what are you doing back here now? You already left. <laughs> what are you already left? 
And they said, but we were driving down the street. We were driving down the highway, and we knew we had to come back and tell you you need to change what you're doing. And I thought, yes, we are doing what God wants us to do because that's what the Pharisees did. They kept telling Jesus, you're doing all the wrong things. You should be doing everything totally different. You should be doing it our way. You see, we want to be a church for anybody, okay? We want to be a church for anybody, but we know we're not for everybody, and that's okay. But I'm going to tell you this. In all my years of ministry, I've never had a lost person, I've never had a disconnected person come to me after the service and say, I was offended by what you did. Luke 19.10, Jesus said that I came to seek and save the lost. That's why we're here. And if you're here this morning or if you're watching us online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not connected to a church in any way, we are so glad you're here and we hope you feel really welcome because everything we do is with you in mind. Now, if you are connected to Christ, if you are here, we need you. We need you to do what we want to do. We need you to pull off ministry. And that's what we're going to talk about today because ministry matters. And if all of us are going to grow in our faith, we have to have a personal ministry. We have, a personal, have to have a personal ministry to reach out to people, to make a difference in people's lives. And so today I've asked a couple of our pastors, and I think they oversee one of the uh, most important ministries we have here at the Met, and it's our youth ministry. And uh, so I've asked uh, Corey Bomar, he's our, our youth pastor, and Matt Reif, he's our associate youth pastor, to come out. These guys are great. They're funny. They're creative. They've got a great heart for God. More importantly, they have a great heart for, for our students. And so help me welcome Corey and Matt. Come on out here, guys. Hello, hello. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? Good, yeah. good. Matt, I'm seeing a lot of nervous faces because the youth guys are out here. Yep, yep. Little do they know what a treat they're in for, though. Yeah. Little yeah. do they know. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, it is great. Thank you for, for being here. I know you, some of you might have seen them out in the lobby, and they're hanging out at the youth uh, area, but uh, they probably don't know a lot about you, so why don't you tell a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah. Well, we know many of y'all, but for those of you who don't know me, my name is Matt Reif, and I have been blessed enough to be the associate youth pastor here for going on five years, which is awesome. Wow. Time just flies. But, uh, and, and some of you know my, my, my wife too, my, my much better half for sure. Um, and we just welcomed a little one into the world. I believe we got a picture here. Yep. There she yeah. is. That's our, that is our four month old. Yeah. Four month old baby girl named Collins. And, um, so this father day is, is, is pretty, pretty special to me right now. It's awesome. It's a great feeling. Uh, but for those of you who do have kids, just, I want you to just Rewind your life back to when you had a, a four-month-old, and that's a, a perfect snapshot as to what my life looks like right now. So that's it. They all got really tired. <laughs> and now how you feeling? Yeah, my name is Corey, and my family and I were called to the Met. In August will be six years that we've been here, and I've wow. been here as the youth pastor. Uh, but when I say we were called is because when you were in ministry and you work full-time at a church, your family is just as much involved as you are. And so here's my family. Um, this is Ezra, who gave his life to Jesus this past year, and he yes. was baptized, yes. which is awesome. Um, yeah. 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 And he is nine years old, and this is little Isley, and she is six, and she is definitely the little sister. Um, and then this is my beautiful wife, Amanda. And uh, the cool thing is Amanda actually, and Grace's wife also does this. They serve in our youth ministry as life group leaders. And Amanda started when we first got here, so she started with seventh grade girls, and she went all the way up, and they just graduated That's this awesome. past year, which is really cool. And now she started over, and she could use your prayers because she just started back with sixth grade girls. Yes. Yeah. 
yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is awesome. And so this is just a picture of our family. But, Rob, we didn't want to leave you out because oh, we okay. feel like you're a part of our family. That's right. I mean, we've had some good times together. And so we have a couple pictures of us this. together just hanging out. Yeah. Um, here's us, just three amigos. Just hanging out. Just three friends hanging out. That was a great day. Uh, having a good time. Great memory. This was, um, yeah, this was a Halloween party. Um, we won Best Dressed. Uh, yeah. Princess Bride was really popular yeah. um, back then. And then the last one is our Jonas Brother phase. Everyone uh, goes through one. Everyone yeah. goes through a Jonas we Brother We all have phase. one of those. Um, but what we noticed about Rob is his face, just look at that. It goes, it doesn't matter the hairstyle or the body type, his face fits perfect. It does. On every picture that we put it on. You just have one of those faces. Yeah. Yeah, and so this is going to be his Christmas card um, next year. <laughs> be on so the lookout. Be, be on the lookout in the mail for that one. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you're showing the creative side and the and the fun <laughs> side, but I do, I do have to be honest that when they showed me this picture, I had to ask my daughter, and I'm go, which Jonas am I? Okay, <laughs> I don't I don't even know I don't know which brother I am. She showed assured me that I'm actually the family one. I'm the family guy. The other two are a little showy, and so yeah. that's why that makes sense. That makes sense. So doing that. But today uh, we're talking about uh, ministry matters and about you being involved in ministry. And ministry should matter to you because it mattered to Jesus. And we're going to look when Jesus was actually talking to his disciples about that very thing. And he was saying that the fact that if you want to be successful in life, if you want to be successful, then you need to follow what I did. You need to follow my example. And the fact is I came to serve. In fact, in uh, Mark uh, 10, he says this. He said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus was telling us is the fact that it's not about to be successful in life. It's not about you making you better. It's about you doing something for the you next to you. Mm. He said, it's not about what you gain in life. It's about what you give away. And that's what we're going to talk about. So how does ministry matter here with us? Yeah, no, I love that question. And I think that, that this verse um, really highlights the heart of Jesus um, because it had, there's two verbs in there, serve and give. And that's really what Jesus came for. That's why he came from heaven to earth to serve and to give. And so it would make sense as Christ followers that that should also, we should also adopt that mindset. And that meant, mentality as well. I also, I love the way that Jesus teaches. He's such a, a masterful teacher and he uses paradoxes all throughout scripture. Well, he'll say, you know, the first shall be last. Um, you have to lose your life in order to gain it. And it's like, well, those, how does that even make sense? They're, they're opposites, but he uses those things to describe how, what the kingdom of heaven is like in comparison to what earth is like. And um, he, he uses this, this same example to say, hey, you want to be considered great? Go ahead and serve. It's like, what? Hold on, how does that make sense? Well, that's how the kingdom of heaven is like. If you want to be considered great, you got to serve. And it's really funny. I, I can only imagine how this resonated with the people that, that heard. Um, because in, in that culture and in that context, in order to be great, your greatness and your success level was, was measured um, by how many people you ruled over, how many territories you, you owned, and, and how many servants you had, things of that nature, right? That's what determined how great you are, and actually our, our culture today is yeah. very quite similar, um, maybe not how many servants you have, but definitely like <laughs> things like how many, how many zeros do you have in your bank account? What's your, what's your, uh, what does your house look like? What neighborhood do you live in? What's your job title? How many degrees do you have? These things that kind of puff our, ourselves up, that's how you measured someone's success and, and how great someone is, but Jesus comes and he says, no, 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 that's not it, that's not it. In the kingdom of heaven, it's a, it's a lot different. If you wanna be great for real, you serve. Yeah. And so today, um, 
we're going to discuss a few things on how to adopt this mindset of, okay, what does it look like for me to take on a, a personal ministry? What does that look like for me in my life, in, mm-hmm. in my family? And there are a few things I think we can point out to really help us get there. Yeah, and I think the first thing is to know your ability. Um, 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven says this, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you has a part of it. See, when you put your faith in Jesus, when you become a follower of Christ, that automatically makes you a part, makes you a member of the body Mm -hmm. of Christ. And everybody in here, every one of us, we have unique gifts and abilities that allow us to perform our best when we are in the right place that we were meant to perform in. And what I mean by that, if you think of the body of Christ as a physical body, well, the physical body's made up of a bunch of different parts, right? You have, you have your feet and your hands and your ears and your nose and your eyes. Um, and if you think about the things that, that hands can do, well, hands can craft things really well. Um, hands can pick things up really well. It can hold another hand to comfort someone. It can scratch a back when there's an itch in the middle of your back that nobody else can get to <laughs> but this hand. Um, but if you think about it, a foot on the other hand, pun intended, does not do those things very well. Like a foot does not pick up things very well unless you're a man. <laughs> and as soon as, as soon as your shorts hit the ground, you're looking at them, you're like, there's no way I'm bending over. So what do you do? You get your toes yes. and you get the perfect grip and you flip it up in the air and you catch it. And even if nobody's around, you're like, yes! Because <laughs> nothing more makes you a man than catching your clothes off. <laughs> that proves your manhood, if for sure. But think about it. Nobody wants to hold a foot to be comforted, right? <laughs> I mean, nobody wants to use a foot to craft something um, that's very intricate when you have two hands that can do a better job. And that's the same thing when it comes to the body of Christ. Some of us are hands, but we try to do things as a foot. You are uniquely gifted and you have certain abilities that allow you to perform the best you can in a certain area and that part is, makes up a whole of the body of Christ. Let me give you an example, because when you don't um, work in the area that you're supposed to work in with your gifts and abilities, it can actually um, cause the body of Christ to not be the best that it possibly can. So my foot, um, one question that I get so, so often, because I'm about to turn 40, yes, I know, I know, I know I don't look a day over 21, no. I get it all the time. <laughs> But uh, my, say my foot hurts, right? Because the question I get is, why are you limping, Corey? <laughs> why are you limping? <laughs> so if my foot hurts, um, it doesn't just affect my foot. It actually makes me walk funny, which affects my ankle, which then affects my knee, which then affects my hip, which then affects my back. Can I get an amen from somebody who knows what I'm talking <laughs> somebody about? Somebody knows. Somebody knows. Thank you. And so um, what's interesting, though, is my whole body hurts all because of my foot not doing the function it was made to do. And that's true with us as the body of Christ. God has given you special gifts and abilities for you to work in a certain area, to you, for you to be a foot, for you to be a hand, for you to do something great in a certain area. And when you don't do um, what you're supposed to do, it actually can affect the whole body. First Peter 4.10 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Yeah, I I love that. And um, 
just thinking about how we each have a, a unique ability and, and a role to, to help the team. You can do certain things that other, other people can't. I can't help but think of like a, a sports team sure. aspect. You're a sports guy. Rob, you're a sports guy. It's Father's Day. I'm sure there are some sports guys in here. Come on. We, um, uh, I, I can't help but think of like, if, let's say you're seven foot three. Seven three. All right, you're on a basketball team. But you measure your success by how quick and agile you are and how well you can dribble. You're not gonna view yourself as a very good basketball player, even though having a height advantage is, is a, a huge advantage in the sport of basketball. But because you're, you're, you're focused on the wrong thing, maybe you think that you belong in this role when really, no, you're, you're gonna be the post, you're gonna be the five, you're gonna be the center and, and you're gonna rock it. Or, or uh, let's say you're 6'6 six, six and 350 pounds, but you're dead set on being a wide receiver, baby. <laughs> a, a real wide receiver. A really wide receiver. <laughs> really wide. All right. Easy target to find. A really wide receiver, right? Maybe it's gonna require the coach to say, hey, I don't think this is your gifting. I don't think this is your calling. You're not fast enough. But maybe right tackle is. Yeah. Maybe it is. Um, and it doesn't have to be sports. It could be with anything. In the, in the corporate world, in, in the business world, right? Let's say your heart is set on being the CEO of a company. You really want to get to executive level status, right? But maybe, just maybe, God has gifted you and, and crafted you to be an amazing, amazing at, at middle management. Like maybe that's what, only you can lead those people in the way, in, in the way that you can. And it's because of your unique abilities and giftings. And um, really, I think what it just comes down to is finding what those abilities are, mm -hmm. identifying them, and then just operating in them. Yep. Yeah, I think, and I think a way you can do that is there's many questions you can ask yourself, but I, we're gonna talk about two this morning. Um, and I think the first question is to find out your gifts and abilities is this, what do you enjoy? What do you enjoy doing? Uh, Matt and I, we, we love being with students. Yeah. Um, we love going to middle school camps and high school camps, and we love doing all this stuff. We love being another voice in their lives in this critical time um, that is gonna point them to Jesus. We also love connecting with parents that, to help you um, minister to your, to your student because we know what happens in the home is more important than what happens yeah. with us because you're with them way more than we are. Mm -hmm. But we also love leading leaders who are gonna be life group leaders and doing all these things. Um, but you need to ask yourself, what do you enjoy? If you hate kids, okay? Um, first of all, we're gonna pray for you because yeah. there's something wrong. <laughs> But secondly, if you hate kids, you don't need to serve in Met Kids because we don't want you to serve in Met Kids. <laughs> yep. And the kids don't want you to be over there either. They don't want you there. So nobody's going to be happy. So what do you enjoy doing? Because I believe that God will give you the desires of your heart. He's going to put things in your heart that you do like to do and you do enjoy. And when you serve in those areas, you're going to have joy. Mm -hmm. um, and you're going to bless people and you're going to be blessed. And the second question I think you can ask yourself is what gifts do others see in you? Mm -hmm. uh, this is so huge in my life because I wanted to be a coach my whole life. I, I went to college to be a coach. I thought that was the career path I was going to. And then I met a guy in college who was a youth pastor. And he asked me to come serve in his youth ministry. And I'm like, you want me to come? He's like, yeah, come on. And because I had a relationship with him, and because he loved Jesus, I knew I could trust him in this area because he started to point things out in my life that I didn't even see. He started to point leadership things that he really respected about me and he would bring all these good things out of me that I was like, I didn't even know I had these. And then he started praying for me and pushing me towards seeking what God had for me and it was way different than what I ever expected. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things we all have to realize that we've all been gifted. Mm -hmm. God has gifted every single person and the fact that we are one body. 
And, and God it wants you to be a part of that, use the abilities given you to make ministry happen. And when you don't do what you're supposed to do, we don't function the way we should function. So this is why this is so important that you take those abilities and you put it out there so that you can be a part to make this body function the way it does. So what else yeah. do we need to do? Yeah, definitely. And I think once you, once you find your ability mm-hmm. and you know it and you own it, the next step has got to be having some adaptability. Uh, you find your gift and then learn how to use it, when to use it, and what if the circumstances change, and what if people will change and things shift. Adaptability is, is critical when utilizing um, your gifts for ministry, whatever ministry that may be. Um, and, and the great theologian, Nolan Ryan, oh, okay, yes. <laughs> once said, I got a quote here from, from Nolan Ryan. I think he nails it, though. He says, Enjoying success requires the ability to adapt. Only by being open to change will you have a true opportunity to get the most from your talent. And that's what it's about, getting, getting the most from your talent. So if you want to maximize your abilities, if you want to capitalize on those abilities, it's, it's being able to adapt. And I think there's really two ways where we can adapt, where we need to adapt. And it's external things, mm-hmm. the circumstances around us, the things that we really don't even have control over to begin with. And then internally, mm-hmm. internal adapting, taking a real look, an honest look at our heart and saying, all right, what do I need to shift here? What do I need to change um, in order to really execute in, in owning ministry? Um, and I think an expert on this, an expert on adapting, has got to be Paul. Paul uh, is a major player in the New Testament. He wrote over half of it, and he uh, is a master of adapting. And he, he writes in, in Philippians 4, this is more in regards to external adapting, right? He says this, he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know I know what it is to to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. That's the the definition of of external adaptability. He's basically saying, it does not matter what's happening around me. It's not going to deter me. It's going to make me more determined to to live out the the calling and the ministry that God has placed on my life. And for Paul, that was making Jesus' name known. So, and, and Paul actually went through some crazy stuff, some wild stuff, some hard times, right? Things that we will, we will never, um, never know and never experience. Like he was, he was shipwrecked. Anybody in here ever been shipwrecked before? <laughs> I was really hoping no one, yes. I was really hoping no one was shipwrecked. Like that would be wild. Yeah. He was shipwrecked twice. Um, you know, beaten within inches of his life multiple times, thrown in prison for his faith multiple times. Let's not ask him if they've ever been to prison. Yeah, you never know. You you never know. For his faith, though, that's something you don't see. But, um, yeah, these things that that are crazy that we just don't experience, and um, he's still able to say, just a few verses prior to this, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And you have to sort of believe him because if you know anything about the context of Philippians, he's writing it from a jail cell. He writes those words in jail, which is just amazing. And um, I really think that, that so there's a, a mentor of mine that actually once, once told me, I never, I never forgot it. He said, we cannot equate our affliction to God's affection. Mm. We can't equate our affliction to God's affection. Like our circumstances are what changes, not God's affection for you, not the way God feels about you. He always loves you. It's always constant. It's always coming at you. 
but it's the things around you that, that change and that shift a little bit. And I'm guilty of, of, of thinking this way as well, where if things in my life were going poorly, I'm like, God, what did I do wrong? I, I feel like God is looking at me with, with a frown. You know, it's, it's not that at all. Or when things are going great in my life, it's like, man, God just, you know, loves me a little extra this week. Like, I don't know what's going on. That's, <laughs> that's not the case. And if you've ever felt that way, I want you to know it's not the case. His love is constant. It's steady. And it's coming at you. It's our, it's our feelings that, that fluctuate. It's our situations that change. Um, but, that's, but that's what it means to, to look at Paul's life and look at how he can adapt externally. But then there's this other one that's, to me, a little bit tougher, and it's adapting internally, right? See, as, as a man, I would much rather take on my circumstances than take on myself, right? I, I, look, at, look, I look at taking on my circumstances as, as a challenge. Like, I'm going to complete this. I'm going to conquer this thing. I'm going to beat it. I'm going to win, right? A, a lot of guys, can you relate to that? Like, I'm going to take on a circumstance, and I'm going to win. I'm going to own this thing. But when it's internal adapting, when it's me versus me, Right, Who, who's the winner in, in, in that one? When I have to shift things in my own heart, that's a little bit more difficult because I have to look at things through a different lens and, and see, all right, what does God want from me? What, is there some pride in my heart that I have to get rid of? How can I maximize my ministry? How can I lead and serve well? What's getting in the way of that? And there's another verse, again, the expert on adapting Paul, just two chapters prior says, says this in Philippians 2. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Yeah. That is serving. Yeah. That is, is owning ministry. That's owning your faith. It's put, putting others above yourself, saying, denying yourself and saying, you know what, I've, I value you more than me right now. That is what, is what serving looks like for sure. Have you ever heard the phrase, get over yourself? <laughs> you ever heard that phrase? That's tough for me. I'd rather get over a circumstance than, than, my, than myself. But this is what, what Paul is saying is take, take a, a real inventory of, of your heart and your head. And that's how you're going to succeed in, in owning ministry and making ministry matters when you can adapt to your external circumstances and your internal yeah, I think a couple of things that came to mind when you're talking about that as far as adapting is um, one of the things is we're about to go to Uganda uh, yeah. in a week. So we have a team that's going to come out at the end of the service. We're going to pray for our team, but we leave uh, next Saturday. And there's something very interesting about when we go on a trip like this because it takes a lot of preparation. Like these kids, we take five high school students with us, which is going to be awesome, but they raise money and we get all this stuff packed and prepared and we plan for exactly what we're going to do when we get there. And then what happens is when we get there, we think that we have it all figured out, that we're going to meet these needs and these needs. Then we get there and we discover a whole different set of needs right. that need to be met. And so what God does is he changes um, what we need to do when we get there sometimes. And we have to be I had a guy tell me this once, you need to be fluid because flexible is not good enough. And so we have to be fluid with what God wants us to do, even if we think going in, we have it all figured out. Um, and something that God has convicted me of, uh, I believe that as a, a dad um, and as a husband, that I need to be the leader of my family and the best way to lead my family is by example. The best example I can be is a servant is to serve my family. And the past few months, this is more recent. I've been married 12 years, more recent. Um, I've been really convicted about my plan when I get home. When I get home from work, and this may be a lot of us, when I get home from work, I'm tired. I wanna sit in the chair. I'd like to have some dinner um, and I would like to watch some TV and then I wanna go to bed, okay? <laughs> but I've really been convicted about I need to be the one who's, who serves. I need to be the one that does things to, to make peace and to have comfort in my home 
which means this, which means sometimes when I get home, I pray before I get out of the garage. I say, God, may I be sensitive to the needs of my family when I go in. And when I walk in, I notice dishes that need to be done. Mm. And I'm like, really, God? <laughs> Again, um, I notice that there's homework to be done with my third grader who's already smarter than me and I don't even know what I'm doing, but I know I need to sit down and I need to help. I notice that there's laundry to be done. Um, I've been praying, God, make me the most exhausted in my family when I go to bed at night. And that's, that is recent, y'all. So this is conviction coming out of what God's doing in my heart. But that's what we need to do. When we come into a situation, we need to adapt to the needs that need to be met because that's what God calls us to do. And that makes us the best servant that we could possibly be. Um, the, last, the last point we're gonna look at is availability, availability. Um, there's a story in the New Testament and most of you have heard it and if you haven't, that's all right. And it's Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I love this story because there's so much application that we can take from this. Um, but what we're gonna look at tonight is we're gonna, Jesus and the disciples, they are there. And what you need to know just happened is that John the Baptist, which is Jesus' cousin, was just killed by the king. Jesus just got word that his cousin had died. And so Jesus wants to go away. And, and people already know who Jesus is, so they're starting to follow him. He wants to get away, so he gets on a boat and he goes out into the water to spend time alone. Well, Jesus, all the people start congregating to where Jesus was. So Jesus comes off the boat, and it's interesting because the first thing he does when he gets off the boat, with all this on his heart, is it says he has compassion and he heals people. So from the get-go, dealing with what he's dealing with, he's available to heal people, and he starts healing people. Well, more and more show up, and it's getting, it's getting later in the evening, so it's getting dinner time, and you know how it is when people get hangry, right? And so they're there, and the disciples start realizing this, and they come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, let's send them away. Let's just send them away so they can go get food in the towns, and we don't, you know, let's not even deal with that. And listen to Jesus' response in Matthew 14. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Yeah. We had, as the disciples, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. And so the disciples and Jesus are not just looking at 5,000 people because we realize later in the verse that it's only 5,000 men and that it doesn't count the women and the children. So we can do our math and we can, we can come up with, it's probably 15 to 20,000 people that are standing before Jesus and the disciples that Which, are hungry. To put that in perspective is the capacity of the American Airlines. American Airlines, any Mavs fans? Any Stars fans? Here we go. Here we go. All right, all of you move out of Dallas right now. <laughs> DFW, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. So um, 20,000 people in front of Jesus and the disciples hungry. And the disciples are looking at this like, we got five loaves of bread and two fish. This is, this is not gonna work well. But listen to what Jesus said. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So the disciples are looking at this 20,000 people um, and they're looking at what they have to offer to these people. And it's nothing. Mm -hmm. It is nothing. Five loaves and two fish for 20,000 people. And what does Jesus say? He says, bring me what you have. Bring me who you are. And not only does he do a miracle with this, think about this. Not only does he feed 5,000, not only does he feed 20,000, but it says in the scripture that they were satisfied. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I eat a meal and I'm still hungry afterwards, I wanna eat more. But when I'm satisfied, 
I, I have to put my stretchy pants on because I'm feeling full, right? <laughs> so these people were satisfied. And then when the disciples got the other baskets, there were leftovers. Taking little and making much. That's what Jesus does. So when you look at your gifts and your abilities and you think it's not much, I can't do, I can't serve anywhere. I don't have what it takes. Jesus says, bring me what you have and I will make much of it. And that's what the message is. I don't know how many times we've met with leaders, potential leaders, and here's what they say to us. We're like, man, you'd be awesome. You're so nice. People like you. And we give all these things that we see in them. And then they pick the one or two things that they don't think they're good at. They say, well, I just don't know. The, I don't know all the answers to the Bible. And I'm like, me neither. <laughs> and they're like, what? Why am I here? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but we say, hey, are you willing to show up? And they're like, yes. Are you willing to show up on Wednesdays and Sundays? Yes. Awesome. You're going to do a great job. Because they're going to be available to what God wants them to do. And when they bring their talents and abilities to God, he makes much of it. Mm-hmm. He does. You know, and I think that's what we all need to understand. You all bring something to the table. Amen. You all bring something to the table. All of us have an ability. We just, the, we couldn't do what we do without all the volunteers that we have. I mean, we don't have the staff to, to pull off all the ministry we do. Ministry happens because of the volunteers that step up. We just had a huge event this, this week. We had Wow Week. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It was all our kids. They just did an incredible job. We've got an incredible children's team that puts together such a creative program. But they had over 100 volunteers to make it happen. That's right. And that's what happens. You've got to step up. You've got to be involved. You, be, you have to be uh, available what's going on. And, and I think um, a lot of us think that we can't bring anything to the table or we think everything's going so well that we don't need us. But that was kind of the theme of their, their Wow Week. It was Second uh, Peter 1.3, which says that God has given all of you everything you need to live a godly life, mm. which means that he's given you everything that you need to do to be a part of ministry. That's what he's saying. God's given you everything to do that. And you need to step up and use that ability and and, and, and then adapt to what's going on. That's what uh, James was talking about. First thing he says, humble yourself before God and he will lift you up. See, so many times we think we want to do something that makes us feel better about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? When you do what, uh, what uh, the disciples did to Jesus, when you just put the abilities that God has given you and you give them back to God right. and you make yourself available, that's when the miracles happen. Mm-hmm. That's when the life change happens. And this is so important. Guys, I'm going to be talking to you, you dads now, because it's not by accident that we did Ministry Matters on Father's Day, that we did it this weekend, because you are so important to ministry happening, not just here in the church, but in your own family. Stats show that, that when the father is the guy that's leading the household, that he is leading his house uh, to serving God and being a part of what's going on in ministry, that 93% of those households give their lives to Christ. They keep following. They keep doing that. We see it down the line generation. But it says in those families where the dad doesn't step up, where the dad doesn't serve, where the dad doesn't lead, only 17% of those households ever come to know Christ. Mm. So it's on you guys. It's about what you need to do to lead your family. You need to make yourself available because you've been given the ability and you need to adapt your lifestyle so that you can be a part of ministry because you're the example for your families. Joshua, remember Joshua is the, the, uh, the guy that took over for Moses to lead the Israelites into the promised land. 
And so he leads them into the promised land, and it's a great, it's a land flowing of milk and honey, but it was also a land that had, had other uh, Canaanites in there that were worshiping other gods. There were other things that were going on, and Joshua is now old. He's old, and he's, he's going to die, and he's turning to all the men, and he's saying, listen, guys, you're going to be faced with a lot of different things, but as you go, your family goes. Hmm. As you go, your family goes. And, and he says this in, in Joshua 24. He says, he says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. All faithfulness. Doesn't say part-time. He says all faithfulness. <laughs> Throw away the gods of your, your ancestors' worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But in serving the Lord seems undesirable to you. Then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. He's saying, you're going to serve somebody, guys. You're going to serve something. You're going to do something. And whether it's the gods of your ancestors, and he's saying whether it's the, 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 the gods and the things that you served when you were in slavery before God brought you out. He said, if you're going to serve them, go ahead and serve them or the gods and rights. But, uh, but you need to choose who you're going to serve. And he says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that's what Joshua did. And that's how we challenge. And that's what we're challenging you this morning. Are you going to lead your house to serve the Lord? And when you uh, look over in Judges 2, every single household of men who did not leave their uh, family to serving the Lord, the next generation didn't know God. Hmm. It's that clear. And it's on you guys, and we want you to step up. And we want to pray for you. We want to support you as a church. And so as we close the service, I'm just going to ask all the dads to stand. I want all the dads to stand because we want to pray over you dads. Because you carry this huge burden. You carry this huge burden, but it's also an awesome, responsible burden. Because we know that when you lead your family well, that they're going to follow God. And they're going to do that way. And now that I've got the dad standing, I'm going to ask all the other guys to stand because one day you might be a dad. One day you might have a family. Go ahead and stand because I want to pray over all the guys today. All of you guys. Dear Heavenly Father, we do just lift up these guys right now. And God, we want to praise these guys for the fact that they made sure that this was a priority, that even though it's Father's Day and this is... This is their day to do what they want. They chose to be here. And that's a great step. That's a great example for their families. And so God bless these, these guys for, for making that first step. But God, we want you to just put your armor protection around these guys because as, 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 as men, we feel all these different responsibilities. We feel like we're being pulled in so many different directions that we, we have to be the provider. We have to be the protector. We have to, to, to be the one that, that uh, gets ahead in life, that makes everything happen. And we feel all the weight of what this world can throw at us. And so God, we just pray that you just wrap your arms around these guys and you say that they are enough. Help them to understand they're enough because you've made them enough. And that when they lean on you, that when this world throws things at them, that they can stand firm in who you are. And, and God, we just also pray for protection around these guys because we know there's nothing more than what Satan would want to do is to split up families. And God, we don't want that to happen. We want families to stay united. We want them to be strong. But we want more importantly that families are going to be pointed to you because that's when life happens. In, in, uh, in future generations. So, so protect these families, watch over these families. And God, I also just want to pray for the families that are associated with these, 
that these men feel encouraged and they, they feel um, honored by their kids and, and, and by their, their wives are supported because this is a family thing. That it's not just a single, that these men don't need to take on the whole weight themselves. That it's just a, a family unit all working together. So God, bless these men, bless these families. Keep them strong, keep them pointed to you, keep them focused and help them to always put you first in everything they do. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. We have, we have, a, we have a new group up here. All That's right. it. Woo. Yes, we, we do. Everybody's asking what the chicken is on our shirt. It's really a bird. It's the Ugandan state bird or okay. country, whatever it is. That's their, and they're very loud. We hear them every morning um, as they wake up, kind of like we have roosters. So that's what uh-huh. they do. So we're super excited, Rob. This is our mission trip. That's 2019. It. There's 21 of us that are leaving for Uganda on Saturday. And we would covet your prayers if you guys could be praying for us. So we leave early Friday, mo- Saturday morning. And we go through Dubai. It's a 15-hour trip is our first leg. Um, so we'll be best friends by the end, right? And then um, we sit in the airport a couple hours, and then it's five more hours as we go from Dubai to Entebbe, which is Uganda. And then we're going to be there for on the ground about nine days, and then we do the reverse trip. So we have lots of great things planned because of our church is so awesome and giving. We are already sent over money to um, start the plastering of Mom Village. Um, so we're going to get to paint. You know, this has been our dream the last few years of we're getting to have a place for moms to go that they'll be safe and get um, some kind of training and be, and be able to go on and do great things. So um, a lot of our time will be there. Of course, we'll get to be with the kids handing out. Um, our church gathered, I think, is it 3,000 pencils? We wanted to be sure everybody, there's 2,000 kids in the orphanage at both schools now. So um, our church sponsors about 300 kids. You guys, have y'all have sponsored them. So we gathered enough sheets. You guys have been donating that each of our MET-sponsored kids will get new sheets. Yeah. Um, so if you can imagine... They get, this is their new sheet. Some of them don't even have sheets. So we're really excited. We're going to get to do lots of things like that, love on the kids. Most importantly, be sure that they know who Jesus is. Amen. Um, it's a long trip, and all these people have given up a lot of time and a lot of money and their vacations and all kinds of things to go on the other side of the world and tell some people. We were just talking. We had a meeting saying the mission trip doesn't begin when we land in Uganda. The mission trip begins in DFW, which is where we get to exercise our patience and our love for other people. So be praying for us. I know that you will. And that we will be able to do what God has us called. We don't really always know till we get there. We've got a lot of things planned and we'll see what God does when we get there. Well, good. Let's all pray for this team. And uh, we know that uh, they've done some great work in the past. They'll continue to do this. And uh, it's always great when they come back to tell us the stories of, of what went on there. And it's just an awesome, awesome team. So let's just pray for them. Dear Heavenly Father, we do. Thank you for this group of people that uh, have made themselves available to you to travel halfway around the world, to, to minister to uh, people that are going through really struggling circumstances uh, in a country that, uh, that needs a lot of prayer, needs a lot of help. And, and, uh, and it's so great that we can be a part of a, a body that wants to reach out and, and, and care for people that are less fortunate than us. And God, we know that, that you place in the hearts of each one of these people to, 
to share the love of Christ. And, and uh, we thank you for uh, what you're doing in their lives. And we thank you again for their sacrifice and their adaptability to, to, to go over there and, and go into different circumstances. But again, to show your love and, and, and do the things that are needed whenever they are needed. And so God, again, just have your hand on this group that uh, you put the armor protection around them, that they have safe travels, that uh, not only that they get there safely and they return safely, but they're safely while they're on the ground there as well. And God, just open up opportunities for them to, to share Christ, opportunities for them to, to, to spread your love. And, uh, and God, again, I just pray that you work in their hearts as well, that, uh, that this is a way that, that just bolsters them wanting to have a personal ministry and, and uh, making a difference every single day uh, of the week. And so, God, again, just be with this, this group. I know you're going to do amazing, amazing things uh, through this uh, mission trip. And, uh, and again, bring them back safely. God, we love you. We praise you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll see you next weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.